Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. We have a great show for you today. It's my really good friend, Clark Engelbert. And I've known him for like almost a decade. We were uh, friends on Facebook and would chat about you know, hair mineral analysis and heavy metals here and there and bounce ideas off each other. And so I'm really happy that uh, he's really taken his research on heavy metals to like the next level and is here to discuss a lot of different topics with us related to that. And so we're going to be talking about, you know, mineral deficiencies uh, and how those cause heavy metals to accumulate. That's one of the reasons we accumulate heavy metals and become a heavy metal toxic. Uh, we also talk about uh, how you can become mineral toxic. Certain minerals can build up to, to levels that uh, cause problems in our bodies, much like heavy metals. And we talk about how heavy metals are uh, persistent in our environment. They never break down. Our bodies can't break them down. They're all, you know, it's similar to forever chemicals. There's a lot of, you know, hoopla and, you know, panic in the, uh, you know, the, uh, in the, on the internet and in the news about forever chemicals, but heavy metals are also like forever chemicals. They don't break down. They persist in our soils, in our food, in our water, in the air, and then in our bodies. So they're very, very problematic. And uh, Clark also breaks down how heavy metals affect us. And he goes into his own personal story of different heavy metals he had and, and what happened when he eliminated them, how much uh, better he feels now. We also talk about hair mineral analysis. Is it a valid testing tool? Is it, uh, you know, what are some of the issues with hair mineral analysis and um, how accurate is hair mineral analysis? Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of really interesting concepts that we're gonna talk about today on the show. And most importantly, why you need to detox, why it's so, so important to be healthy today because of what the research is showing about what heavy metals do to our body and to our health and our mental health as well. Um, and I know you guys listening to this show, you're worried about detoxing your body. That's why you're listening. Um, but one thing that's important to remember also is that our emotional trauma also causes many different health issues. The research shows that emotional trauma is responsible for 65% of physical health issues. This is what conventional medical research done by Kaiser Permanente is showing. And there's so much research to support this as well. And so if you wanna be at your best, yes, you need to detox heavy metals and chemicals, but you also have to address your emotional trauma. And this has been a personal passion of mine. Um, after I totally detoxed my body and got myself to a very clean level, I still felt like there was just another, another level that I could go to with my, my mental health and with my physical health. And so I did a lot of research and I have a free masterclass you can take on this. That's fascinating. It's totally worth your time. Go check it out at emo-detox.com, E-M-O-D-E-T-O-X.com. Check it out. I talk about uh, all these five pillars of mental health. Uh, I talk a lot about how sound therapy can be used to uh, you know, release emotional trauma uh, from your body. Um, I talk about all these different methods to release emotional trauma and, and that, and, you know, this, that little piece of the puzzle is so, so important. So check it out. So our guest Clark Engelbert received his diploma in hair analysis certification through Westbrook University in West Virginia. 
And, and this is a program uh, through Dr. Lawrence Wilson, who's a pioneer in the field of hair mineral analysis. And from 2003 to the end of 2004, Clark studied nutritional sciences at the University of Arizona. And in 2016, he re-enrolled at Boise State University to further uh, educate himself in health sciences with a biochemistry emphasis where he studied until 2017. And in 2018, he started his business, Nutritional Analytics, which specializes in use, utilizing hair analysis or hair tissue mineral analysis to assess minerals, heavy metals, and overall biochemistry of the body. And since starting his business, he's helped hundreds of people to regain good health and detoxify their heavy metal burden while uh, analyzing close to 1,000 hair mineral analysis tests. You can learn more about Clark and his work at nutritionalanalytics.com. Clark, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. It's a pleasure yeah. to be here. Yeah, I know. I've known, I've known you for so long on Facebook. <laughs> We've, been We've known each other for a while, yeah. It has to be It has to be coming up on 10 years, maybe. Yeah, I think it is. That yeah. Is, that's yeah. basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we kind of followed each other's work and each other's detox journeys and you, because mm -hmm. you practice, you know, using a hair tissue mineral analysis and like I do, and, you know, mm -hmm. you've been on a program uh, to detox yourself for a really long time and we exchange notes sometimes and uh, follow, follow each other's work. So it's been great to see you kind of like, you know, develop your, your practice, you know, and involved in like heavy metals research now. So right. tell us like kind of about, a little bit about your journey and, and why you're so passionate about detox yeah so um all of this sort of started for me i got into the alternative health space um around like pre-2010 um i started to have issues in my early 20s i'm uh in my uh i'm 37 now um you know i started to have issues in my early 20s with anxiety depression panic attacks um i was kind of burning the candle at both ends as a young person a young dude in college and uh was drinking a lot with friends and working 40 hours a week and, uh, you know, I had a full load at, at school. Um, so that basically resulted in me, um, you know, having some serious anxiety attacks uh, around that time. And um, I went through the medical system and they really didn't have any answers for me. It was really pretty bad, actually. It messed with my mental state, like to a significant degree. Um, I started to have these anxiety attacks. I would go to the emergency room multiple times. They sort of, you know, knew me on a first name basis at that point. And I never really got any good answers on what was going on. And I didn't really have any notion of what anxiety was at that point, what panic attacks were, any of that stuff. I had been pretty well adjusted up to that point. Um, I was just sort of running myself into the ground. Um, and so, you know, I went through the medical system, uh, went to my PCP, went to a bunch of different MDs, tried to figure out what's going on and no one could give me any answers. And eventually I ended up on uh, a couple drugs, medications for anxiety and depression. Um, in and around like 2007 ish, 2008. And, uh, those medications were really helpful in the beginning, uh, to deal with like the anxiety and panic attacks that I was having. But, um, within a year of taking those medications, I started to notice interdose, interdose withdrawal symptoms. And I was on, uh, Selexa and SSRI and Klonopin, uh, a benzodiazepine. Um, so I started to have pretty bad interdose withdrawal symptoms. Um, and I started to realize that those, the medications were actually making me much worse. 
Um, you know, so that sort of started me on this path, like 2008, 2009 of trying to figure out some of the underlying reasons why I felt the way that I did and why the medications weren't working. So I got into the alternative health space. I read uh, Pam Killeen's book. Um, and Pam was actually my first nutritional balancing practitioner. Uh, still good friends with Pam. She's amazing. Yeah. She's been uh, on the podcast before too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I've watched those for sure. Um, you know, so Pam, uh, I read her book, a couple other, other books, uh, this book called depression free naturally by Joan Matthews Larson. Um, you know, other books by Julia Ross, like the mood cure, the diet cure. And I went to a bunch of different clinics to try and solve these issues. And eventually, um, I had to deal with like the consequences of being on those medications for so long. So I kind of had to come off them. Um, and I came off them around like 2012, um, after trying many, many times to come off them. And it was uh, not a fun experience, uh, you know, coming off them, the withdrawal, especially from the benzo was, uh, you know, pretty significant, not only in the t short term, the short term uh, time horizon, the acute withdrawal effects were really bad. But there's like this thing that they call uh, post acute withdrawal, which, you know, withdrawal from that medication can last for up to like two years. Mm, so, yeah. um, after that, um, I had gone up to Joan Matthews Larson's clinic to come off of the medications. And uh, that's where I discovered uh, nutritional balancing, mineral balancing. I, I remembered reading Pam's book, and there's a little uh, piece about mineral balancing towards the end of her book, which is Addiction, the Hidden Epidemic. And someone had mentioned to me uh, about hair testing at the facility that I was at to come off of the medications. And so I put two and two together, and I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll email Pam and see what this is. So that's, uh, that was like late 2012, 2013. And that's when I got on a mineral balancing program. Um, and nothing else had worked like that program once I got on it. Um, yeah. you know, so I started, yeah, late 2012, 2013 and have been doing it, been on a program since then. So about 10 years now. Um, and along the way, you know, went through many different metal eliminations. Um, you know, I was dealing with not only like the, the withdrawal effects from the medicines, but like I had a pretty bad, um, gluten and dairy intolerance that I had developed, uh, while I was having those panic attacks in the, in the beginning. So I had tolerated, um, gluten and dairy and most foods for all of my life until, that period of time. So I thought that was definitely very weird. Um, you know, but as a result of being on the medications, I ended up hypothyroid. Um, I had really high blood sugar. I was super overweight. I was like 270 pounds, like I'm six, two, you know, but, uh, you know, I sit at like 200 pounds now that's like a good weight for me. Uh, but I had a lot and just so many different, uh, other things layered on top of the anxiety, you know? And so, once I got on a mineral balancing program and started to eliminate metals, I just started to notice dramatic improvements in all of those parameters, mm -hmm. you know? And so it took, took me like a good four years, five years on the, on that program. I start I eliminated a bunch of nickel, um, and noticed like my suicidal thoughts went away, just disappeared, um, went through some big copper and lead eliminations, uh, and my anxiety went away. Uh, you know, when you have like lead toxicity and you eliminate lead, you, you can almost feel like you're 
stimulated at this low level, like chronically, like your stress hormones are chronically elevated. Um, that went away. Um, insomnia went away. High blood pressure went away. So, um, yeah. So a couple of years ago, um, I went back to school. I had some, uh, I went to school at the university of Arizona for nutritional sciences. Um, and then I went back to school up here at Boise state for, um, biochemistry because I was inspired to do this work. And after that, um, I started this business, nutritional analytics, which is a basically a mineral balancing, um, business that, you know, we use the hair tissue mineral analysis as sort of the baseline diagnostic, um, to assess people's biochemistry and then engage in mineral balancing and the mineral balancing. The idea is that that triggers detoxification of the metals. Um, and that's where people start to heal. Yeah. And it's an amazing screening tool, hair mineral, HTMA or hair mineral analysis is a great screening tool for heavy metals and minerals. And talk to us about Mm. kind of how, why it's important to look at your minerals and to test for your minerals and heavy metals Mm. using a a hair mineral analysis. Yeah. So I feel like, um, with the minerals, there's a couple facts about them that maybe, uh, people have glossed over or don't fully appreciate which is that minerals are operating at this atomic level where if you think about what they are, they're simply different configurations of electrons and protons. They sit on the periodic table and they have different chemical characteristics, right? But at the most basic level, minerals are, um, you know, operating at this atomic level where we often think about the body in terms of like this organizational or hierarchical approach, where we're trying to figure out what's at the most foundational level of your biochemistry. And people think of like DNA as like the final boss in that that regard. But if you think about what DNA is, DNA at the most basic level is made of nitrogen, uh, sugar molecules, and phosphorus. And so phosphorus is an essential element. So even DNA is made of these essential elements. Um, So minerals, it's almost like minerals are operating on a very elemental level, even sort of below the level of DNA. And so they're operating at this atomic level and they're, you you could think of them as like quantum in nature where the light, uh, water and magnetism folks talk about this quite a bit in terms of light, like light is quantum, you know, Jack Cruz and those folks. And I have a ton of respect for those guys. Uh, but like minerals are sort of operating on that same level. And so that's the first thing about minerals is that they're really at the most foundational level of your biochemistry. And there's a couple other ways that you can think about minerals. Um, you know, minerals, they're also uh, what I like to call pleiotropic, meaning to borrow a term from genetics, Minerals are used for hundreds and sometimes even thousands of different functions in your body. So we know that magnesium, everyone knows that magnesium is used for hundreds of different enzymes. Same thing with iron. Zinc is used two to 3,000 different times for for different functions, right? And if we were to list like everything that zinc does, we could take up easily two hours, right? And so minerals are not only atomic and operating at that foundational level, but they're used across every conceivable system and organ in your body. Yeah. And I think that's why people don't, they, they, you know, have all these different health issues going on 
and they don't exactly. focus on minerals. We need minerals. It's the most basic thing that you can do exactly. to improve your health. And that's why people start a hair mineral analysis. They start taking all these minerals and the right ones that they need. Right. And, and their health improves so much or their sleep or whatever's going on with them. And it's just, uh, sometimes you just have to get back to basics. Yeah, you really need to, that's a really important point that you're making is that the implications of the pleiotropic concept are that when one mineral gets out of balance, 10 or 20 or 30 different things can go wrong as a result of that one imbalance. So, and this explains, you know, why when people come to me, or I'm sure when they work with you, they never come to you with just one problem. It's always like, I've got digestive issues. I have like, you know, issues with insomnia or mental health problems. And to give it a concrete example, like zinc is used by the pancreas uh, to extend the action of insulin to synthesize digestive enzymes for GABA in the brain as a GABA agonist. So when zinc gets low or becomes like imbalanced against other minerals, uh, you can end up developing symptoms related to insulin dysregulation. Uh, low testosterone in men is very, very common, um, you know, because zinc is used for testosterone, but then digestive issues and mental health issues as well. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's not a surprise that there's a, a lot of men that have low testosterone and mm -hmm. their doctors have been telling them for years, don't eat red meat because of the heart disease. Like, there's so many people right. cutting out red meat, which is the most highly absorbable form of zinc. And it's the, there's a huge consequence in, in feminizing of men and lower sperm counts and the lower, you know, testosterone levels because right. zinc is needed for all those things. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you know, when you multiply that and you understand that, well, there's 21, 20 or 23 essential elements. Um, if one of them gets dysregulated, you can have all these different problems. Um, if multiple of them get dysregulated, which is quite common, especially in America, uh, cause the food supply is so denatured and nutrient poor, then you can see how problems just sort of exponentially get worse and worse very, very quickly. Um, and that, that's not even to mention that minerals, uh, another really important fact about them, exist in a system inside of you. And, and the, the implication of that is that they all affect each other. There are, there are these nutrient interactions that occur. And if you have, say, like a low zinc, um, a lot of different consequences uh, or effects can occur as a result of that low zinc in your other elements. Copper can build up, um, and that can cause anxiety. Heavy metals can build up because zinc sort of acts as like a universal buffer against metal toxicity. But also, uh, I was reading a really interesting paper. There's an antagonism between zinc and sodium, and sodium reabsorption in the kidneys goes up when zinc is low. So that could be one of the causes or reasons for sodium-sensitive hypertension. And it's sort of like there's not only do minerals exist in a system and they affect each other, but there's like these second and third order effects that exist um, as a result of like one element being, uh, knocked out of balance. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to this and you can, you can have as, you know, make a case for every mineral and the different issues that it causes when it, it's out of balance and, and minerals displace metals out of the body. Can you talk about, uh, that phenomena and how taking minerals is a really good heavy metal detoxification? Yes, this. Okay. So this principle, um, formally, you know, in the literature is called ionic mimicry. 
And it's a really, really important idea for people to understand. It's that while minerals exist in the system inside of you, heavy metals are a part of that system. And when you become low or, or you have biounavailable forms of the essential elements of the minerals, heavy metals can substitute for those essential elements. And um, it's, it goes a little deeper than that. Not only are metals displacing or substituting those essential elements, but they actually work in the place of those essential elements. So like if you have low zinc as an example, uh, lead, mercury, and cadmium can all replace zinc on those enzymes that zinc is supposed to work on. So the enzyme efficiency gets poisoned as a result of this substitution process, but it keeps you alive in the short term. Um, so like if you have nothing on your on certain enzymes, like if you don't have zinc at all, um, you could die. And so the body is actually using metals as like a short-term adaptive mechanism to keep these enzymes that you need to actually live and exist functioning at some low level. And so that's maybe another really important idea or concept that people uh, I don't feel like fully understand is that, you know, I know uh, many people know about this, but minerals are the spark plugs of life. What, what does that mean though? And it means that minerals are involved in as either structural components or functional regulators of like 25 to 30% of your enzymes in your body. And enzymes are these specialized class of proteins that are catalyzing biochemical reactions to make life possible. And so if you think about like the history of biochemistry research, and if you had taken, if anyone's, anyone's listening, who's, who's taken biochemistry 101 and had to go through like Leninger's principles of biochemistry, which is this insane textbook, you know, that gave me nightmares in school. Uh, that you just finished. <laughs> yeah. Right. It only like took last me 10 year, years. Like, yeah. Oh, like waking up at, at night. Yeah. And, you know, terror. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they talk about like enzymes in that book. There's a lot of chapters dedicated to the research and study of enzymes, but most of the history of biochemistry research is the history of enzymes. Looking at how these specialized proteins operate and are catalyzing biochemical reactions. And the minerals are integral parts uh, structurally and functionally of those enzymes, you know, so that's also another really important point, but, um, to understand, uh, the way that metals work or bioaccumulate, you have to understand how they're interacting with those essential elements in the first place. Um, yeah, and, and people, but they, because they have mineral deficiencies, mm -hmm. their bodies retain these heavy metals exactly, and they become heavy metal toxic in one way, because they're mineral deficient. And there's exactly. so many, so many different reasons for mineral deficient. Yes, exactly. That's probably, you know, if, if people take nothing else away from this chat that we have today, I hope that they take away that point. It's that mineral deficiencies, it's not just deficiencies, but imbalances. Um, they make you much more predisposed to bioaccumulate heavy metals. And there's actually really interesting research on the mechanism uh, or the mechanisms through which this is happening. And so one of those mechanisms is sort of ionic mimicry, but the way ionic mimicry works is that the ionic radii of these elements is similar. So their sizes are actually very similar. And there's other um, chemical properties that they share. Maybe they have a similar valence or something. 
Um, and that's what makes these heavy metals able to substitute and replace those essential elements in the first place. It's those similar, similar chemical properties, the ionic radii, the size of these elements. Like, uh, I was reading a paper on, uh, on this exact thing and the ionic radii of magnesium, iron, and aluminum, they're all very, very, very similar in sizes. So it makes it so that aluminum replaces iron and magnesium very, very readily. And then, okay, what happens then when aluminum replaces magnesium um, on like an ATPase uh, or other enzymes that magnesium are uh, responsible for? You can destroy energy production in the mitochondria. Uh, like if aluminum is replacing iron, that can destroy uh, electron chain transport. So like some of the most fundamental processes that are required to keep you healthy and, and well they get disturbed as a result of those metals replacing those essential elements. And it's sort of like, I would, I always try to tell people, uh, clients, especially my consults, you should think of metals as like systemic toxicants where they can locally exert a negative influence wherever they get deposited, like in your kidneys or your heart or your brain. But because of their ability to substitute for the essential elements in, in important enzymes, they can cause you know, 10 or 20 different problems just through their ability to impact infl inflammatory pathways all over the body, you know? So that's really, really important. Um, but like another fact about metals that I think people don't quite grasp either is that metals are not biodegradable. So they're actually a lot more important as a class of toxicants than a lot of the synthetics that are out there. But, you know, there's literally, I'm sure you know, there's tens of thousands of synthetic chemicals that are being used either in, in intentionally in, in personal care products or whatever, um, or they're just inadvertently released through industrial processes um, in the environment. So metals are special because not only are they able to substitute for those essential elements, but they are not biodegradable, meaning when they get used in the environment, or in industrialized in industrial processes, they're getting discharged into the environment. They don't just go away. the The accumulation process of those metals in, like the air, in the water, in the soils, that's cumulative year over year, and goes back. You know, some of the metals. I think cadmium, the half life is like thirty years. The half life. So for half of the cadmium to be, uh, you know, broken down, it takes thirty years. I know um, people get so worked up about, you know, forever chemicals and right. um, PUFAs and things like that, but heavy metals that's, this has been around for, for decades. It's not a, right. it's not a new thing. And it's, it's crazy how right. uh, there's even in organic food, there's heavy metals. I did a show on that about how organic food can have tons of heavy metals. It might be chemical free, but there yeah. there's lead and, and all kinds of other metals and there are arsenic from, pesticide use and settling in the soil from the air, lead and things like that. So, right. Right. So, you know, metals can substitute for the essential elements, which is maybe the most important thing that people understand. Um, this leads to their systemic toxicity. Um, and the fact that they're not biodegradable is also very problematic, but their ubiquity, uh, since, since the advent of industrialization is, I think maybe the most important fact about them. Um, people don't quite understand or have a grasp on like, why are, why are metals, you know, why are they in the environment to such 
a degree that they are now. Um, and it's really because they're useful in many different industrial processes. Um, you know, like lead is still used in jet fuel as an anti-knocking agent. It was used in the gasoline in cars, which was a total health disaster uh, for decades, but it's still used in jet fuel, right? Because it's very good as an anti-knocking agent. Uh, nickel is used uh, in the hydrogenation process for all of your trans fats. That's been done since they, they discovered that ability for nickel to be used as a catalyst um, in like 1915. Yeah. And so, that's in all your fast food, all, all your packaged food, everything you're eating every day. Exactly. And that, you know, people talk about seed oils and seed oils are bad and, and not good for you. But, uh, you know, metals are definitely, I think, much more toxic, much more pernicious, um, you know, for those other reasons. But it's like they're like aluminum is used in the water supply as an antifungal agent because it's very good at killing fungal microorganisms. Um, arsenic is used to treat wood on like decks. Um, it helps to prevent water damage. Right. And so you would just be the ubiquity of these elements. You can't really overstate millions of tons of these elements are being mined so that they can be used for industrial processes. Um, and, you know, through the mining, those metals get in the air. Another really um, sort of interesting thing that I kind of dug up in my own research is that um, I wanted to know in terms of phosphate fertilizers, why are they so loaded with metals? You know, and I was like, where, where's this coming from? Uh, let's trace this back. And Phosphate fertilizers have to be made from something and they're made from phosphate rock. That phosphate rock has to be mined all over the world, you know, deep within the earth. Well, metals are geogenic as well, meaning they're not just, they're not synthesized or anything. We're actually having to mine them from the earth. Um, and so through the, the mining process for that phosphate rock, a lot of metals get bound up in that rock which gets ground down into this phosphate fertilizers. Okay, well, phosphate fertilizers are the most common, uh, commonly used fertilizers all around the world. You're getting like a dose of cadmium with those fertilizers in every single pound of fertilizer that you're using on the soils. So these metals are, there's interesting ways that they're transferred basically from their point sources to like, you know, how they get into the, in the food chain and ultimately end up getting inside of you through this process that we call biomagnification. So lots of really interesting examples of that. Like, um, I was always curious about mercury. Like everyone would always say, well, mercury is in the oceans, you know, and it's like, well, how the hell did mercury get in the oceans? It's not, it doesn't seem like it was designed to be that way. And uh, one of the most important ways that it gets into the ocean is through those uh, smokestacks, those coal-fired power plants over in China and India, which are, they don't have scrubbers on them. And so the metals are used in those processes to burn fossil fuels and coal in particular. Um, and it gets spewed into the atmosphere, that mercury. And it's spewed into the atmosphere as elemental mercury. And it goes up into the atmosphere, rains down onto the ocean, and there's actually like an interesting process that occurs where mercury is biotransformed from elemental mercury into methyl mercury by uh, certain microorganisms in the ocean. So elemental mercury is slightly less toxic than methyl mercury, 
Um, and that's like another sort of wrinkle with metals that gets people sort of confused is that there's different forms, different forms of the metals have different toxicity profiles. Um, but, you know, to go back to mercury where it comes from and that sort of thing, um, the, the microorganisms in the ocean transform the elemental mercury into methyl mercury through methylation. So your body actually has that capacity to change the form of metals inside of you as well, which is pretty wild. Um, so if methylation pathways are broken or messed up for whatever reason, that can affect your body's ability to protect you against metal bioaccumulation as well. So the, you know, the, the microorganisms methylate the mercury changes that elemental mercury into methyl mercury. And then you have small fish eating that microorganism, medium fish eating the small fish, large fish eating the medium fish, human beings eating the mercury and ending up with mercury toxicity. Eating all the sushi and yeah. the, the yeah. shellfish, the sushi yeah. addicts. And I'm an ex sushi addict myself. Yeah, yeah. But hey, it's really good. You yeah, can't it's, blame people for it's that. It's so delicious. But yeah, you know, I still have it every once in a while. It's it's, it's impossible to to avoid. Uh, yeah, metal, metals are, it's impossible to avoid in your diet, even if you right. eat organic food. And that's the message here is right. you need to be detoxing your body, even if you have all these other healthy lifestyle habits and diet. Yeah, exactly. And that's basically how I coach all my clients, which is to say, there's no way that you can avoid these elements. Um, and actually there's a couple really interesting papers I read a couple months ago, uh, on, um, looking at metal deposition in these remote locations around the world. And there's a couple cool, uh, like really enterprising researchers. This one guy who was a, um, mountain climber also double, you know, <laughs> doubled as a researcher by day was a mountain climber by night. He took his team of uh, graduate students uh, 20,000 feet up on Mount Everest. And they wanted to study the snow and soil samples of Mount Everest for metal deposition. And they found really high levels of cadmium and arsenic in the snow and soil samples 20,000 feet up on Everest. Um, there's other really good studies looking at like uh, the Antarctic and the green, uh, some of the snow sheets in Greenland as well. Um, they did a lot of this research after lead uh, was discovered uh, to exert like subclinical effects, like in the 1970s. So like there was a ton of research on lead uh, and that drove like scientists wanting to understand like the extent to which lead was deposited in these various locations. So uh, there were studies in Greenland and Antarctica showing really high levels of lead, you know, so it doesn't matter if you're like decide to become a monk or a nun and you try to like avoid these things like the plague, there's really no avoiding them because of their ubiquity. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the, all the, the smokestacks and industry in countries around the world that like, gets into the weather patterns, deposits in our oceans and air pollution is one of the number one ways that we we get different toxins and heavy metals from car exhaust. So it doesn't matter if you're living out in the woods, uh, you can still be breathing this stuff in. Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, you know, the most important thing to know is that you, it, the responsibility lies on you and your family to try and, uh, you know, detoxify these elements because the governments are pretty incompetent. I don't know if there's malevolence involved. That's like maybe for a different discussion. Um, but like the FDA 
recognizes aluminum, it's generally recognized as safe. So aluminum is used in a lot of different products, food products, especially, uh, you know, it's used in like uh, baking soda. Um, it's used as an anti-caking agent in table salt. It's used um, in protein powders. Um, it's used as an anti-coloring agent in like candy or a coloring agent, I should say. It's used in cheese. And it's all because the FDA recognizes as aluminum as safe. But everyone like who has half a brain realizes that aluminum is neurotoxic. And there was a really interesting review that I read um, about a month ago uh, in the Journal of Alzheimer's. So a pretty serious journal uh, basically recognized this review, uh, recognized Alzheimer's as basically chronic aluminum poisoning. And there was the, that interesting research that came out shining a light on some of the lies that were, were propagated by some scientists saying that, you know, Alzheimer's is, is related to uh, plaques and tangles um, in some of the ne neuronal compartments. Um, well, that may or may not be true, but what is causing those plaques and tangles in the first place? It's aluminum. There may be other metals involved, but aluminum is the main one implicated in, in those uh, degenerative neurological conditions. Yeah, I mean, the research is clear on that. I've looked at a lot of that research as well, that aluminum is responsible for all different forms of dementia, including Parkinson's and other, there's many different forms. And so it's, and it's, right. that's one of our greatest fears. That's one of, you know, uh, for so many people, they're worried about brain fog or they watch their loved ones deteriorate from dementia. And that's, that's. For, for many people, they want to preserve their brain function and detoxification is going to be a big factor in preserving that. Huge. And the thing I think that another thing that's really important for people to understand is there's these two <clears throat> ideas that make metals really pernicious besides everything that we just talked about, which is that it wasn't discovered until like the 1970s that metals exert a very, they can disrupt function at like a subclinical level where it's not just the acute phase toxic effects of these elements that are responsible for you feeling bad. Like if you get occupationally exposed to a ton of lead, um, you know, that's going to cause a, a, a lot of serious problems, but even at low levels, uh, very low levels, lead and all of these other elements can contribute to a silent reduction in function of your enzymes, your proteins, your hormones, your neurotransmitters, and thus the uh, effects of those problems, which manifest as like behavioral problems, lowered IQ, uh, you know, maybe you don't quite have as much energy, you don't fall asleep as quickly. Uh, those are really subclinical effects of metals, basically. Um, and that that wasn't discovered until like 1973, by these, uh, these two researchers, Grandjean and Landrigan, who were just brilliant. They're world-famous uh, scientists who discovered the subclinical effects of lead. And that was, they were sort of the, uh, the lightning rod for getting lead removed from the gasoline. Um, so metals are exerting these subclinical effects on a very low level. And some people don't even really notice that they might be metal poisoned if they come out of their mother's womb with metal toxicity at like a subclinical level. Maybe they don't grow as tall. Maybe their facial symmetry doesn't develop very well. 
right? Maybe their bone structure is weaker. Um, you know, so that's, I think, really, really important for people to understand the subclinical effects of these metals. Uh, but then also there's a latency period that exists from when you're exposed to the metal to when you present with uh, symptoms. So this is pretty well known. Uh, this is in a book I read called The Toxicology of the Essential and Non-Essential Metals, uh, written by Nicole Coleman and a bunch of other uh, PhDs at Berkeley, if people are interested in reading that. It's a short read, but a phenomenal book. But they talk about how if you're exposed to these metals at low levels, which everyone is at this point, there's this latency period where like cadmium, for instance, if you accumulate cadmium uh, for whatever reason, there can be five or 10 years that go by before your kidneys are, the kidney function is affected. So it's sort of like very, very difficult to detect uh, metal poisoning because it's not very obvious sometimes well, were you exposed in the first place, but symptoms may show up not until five and 10 years later. This is why, you know, there's, there's a couple of good tests out there to diagnostically assess your metal burden. Um, and, but this is really why I love the hair tests as, uh, just a critical piece for, uh, assessing your metal burden. Yeah, because it's such an easy at-home test to do. Anybody can do it. Very easy. Um, yeah, it's very inexpensive. It's an amazing screening tool. and But it's really important to test those minerals as well as heavy metals. There's tests that test for heavy metals like urine and stool. Right. But I always right. use hair testing as a, the initial uh, screening tool. And can you talk a little bit about the validity of HDMA? Because I think there's a lot of people that don't understand how to read hair tissue mineral analyses, and they don't understand um, the no-show phenomenon in, in hair mineral analysis. And you, see, yeah. you see stuff on the internet about, oh, it's not accurate and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> let's, let's just blow that out of the water here. Yeah, yeah. So hair testing is very misunderstood, even in the literature. So uh, there was a review I read in like 2018 uh, looking at why there was such disagreement in the literature amongst researchers on whether or not hair analysis is a valid tool to assess the nutritional status of some of the elements, but also heavy metals. And part of the reason for the discrepancy in the literature, even amongst all the researchers, is that many of the much of the research done with hair analysis didn't consider that mineral and metal deposition in the hair is not uniform like it is in the blood. So with blood testing, you can take a blood sample one time and then five minutes later, get another blood sample from a different area. And the mineral deposition and the metal deposition in the blood will be uniform. It won't change. But the hair, it does change because it's a biopsy tissue. And the hair being an extension of the skin organ, like different, different amounts of those minerals will be deposited at different times in your hair. So there, you won't find good answers in the literature. You have to understand the first principles about hair analysis, um, which is the first and most important thing to understand about hair analysis is that hair is a biopsy tissue. So you, you should think of the, the hair as really an extension of your skin, which is um, a biologically active organ. Like your skin has many important like thermoregulatory functions. It acts as a protective barrier against environmental stimuli. It has detoxification functions. 
the hair to that end serves a lot of those similar functions and requires everything that other biological tissues require to live and to carry out those things. So the hair is a biologically active organ and it's, it's like a biopsy test. Um, I think another thing that people misunderstand about hair is that they think that the hair is telling them about the total body load of any individual mineral, but it's more about reading the entire mineral system. And it's like an early indicator of what's going on with your entire mineral system. So in this way, the hair test is kind of like an ionomics test where it's measuring not individual mineral levels, but it's measuring the balance of the entire mineral system all at one time. And so those are, I think, some of the bigger reasons why people get hung up on, you know, is hair analysis valid? There's a lot of research showing that, yeah, uh, hair analysis is actually quite remarkable and able to read if you understand it in its proper context, uh, it's able to give us an early indication of imbalances in mineral levels and ratios and what's going on with the entire mineral system. Uh, so it's not necessarily about reading individual mineral levels. It's always about understanding that the minerals exist in a system and that the hair test is measuring that entire system in the cells, right? But also over about a three-month period of time. Yeah, and it can look at mineral toxicities as well, correct? Because those yes. can be very, very problematic and, and cause health issues just like heavy metal toxicities. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing that can be kind of confusing is that while the minerals are essential for life, any of the individual elements in either the wrong form or in too high a dose, you can become toxic in those elements. So it's not the same as like heavy metals where any small dose of a heavy metal is toxic. The dose for the essential elements really makes the poison because they're essential for running like your enzymes and all of these other uh, functions that exist in your body. So it's, you're, you're right about this. Like it's about with the minerals, it's about balancing them against each other, making sure that nothing is too low or nothing is too high at the same time. There's sort of like a dose response curve for each of the elements where you can end up with a fatal deficiency, but you can also have a fatal toxic excess at the other end of the spectrum. And there's like a little narrow band there where an optimal intake will lead to optimal function. Yeah. And so what are some of the more like uh, common heavy metal toxicities that you're seeing in your clients? Aluminum is by far the most common. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen, I haven't read a test in the last four years uh, where the aluminum level was in a good range. So aluminum is by far the most ubiquitous metal in the environment. Um, it's the third most common metal in the earth's crust. So it's pretty ubiquitous geogenically, but, um, in terms of the way that it's used in industry, you know, metal or aluminum, I should say is used in the water supply, um, in many Western countries. So plus there's like a thousand other industrial, uh, uses for aluminum. So, Aluminum is the most common. Um, the next most common, I would say, is probably mercury. I read a really interesting paper. Uh, I mean, I find this interesting. Some people might find this like horrifying, you know, but um, I read a really interesting paper a couple months ago on the uh, manufacture and use of high fructose corn syrup. And since the advent of it, I believe it was synthesized in the 1960s, 
um, they used mercury to make the high fructose corn syrup. So my generation of, of people, millennials, you know, I was born in 1984, you know, and I think probably you guys too in Gen X, you know, we were drinking soda like it was going out of style when we were younger, you know? And so that I think is a huge exposure vector for people uh, besides just the fish, you know, it's used in other uh, mercury is very useful for other applications as well. But, um, you know, it being in the soda, kind of like with aluminum being in the water, well, let's look at so sodas, high fructose corn syrup plus water. So it's a combination of aluminum and mercury in, in a can, basically. Um, and what's really pernicious about that soda in particular is that the sugar forces your body to use up minerals to process it. Yes. So it's like a double whammy where the sugar and the caffeine are depleting your essential elements while you're getting a dose of aluminum and mercury at the same exact time. Yeah. It's so insidious. I mean, I, every meal I had a Coke I yeah, mean, for decades. I mean, it was a really long time, know. you know, that uh, maybe it was like 20 years or something like that but until I, right. I kind of woke up to that. But yeah, but that's just one exposure over decades. I mean, there's yeah. just so many examples that, that we can cite that I've talked about so much on the, the podcast. Um, so how do we get rid of this stuff? How do we eliminate heavy metals? So there's a couple general strategies that I can talk about first. Um, the strategy that I use with my clients is called mineral balancing. Um, and this is really like a specialized form of heavy metal detox, where really what we're trying to do is optimize and balance the mineral levels in your tissues. And this causes a dramatic improvement in enzyme efficiency, uh, energy efficiency in the cells, um, and other parameters related to detox, to your detox pathways. Um, and that is really the trigger that we're using to detox metals is mineral balancing. But, um, you know, some general strategies I think that people should keep in mind are you want your diet to be as nutrient dense as humanly possible. Um, so like extreme diets, uh, you want to avoid those like the plague. So like veganism, you know, I think carnivore is quite a bit better than veganism. So, uh, you know, sometimes I don't know, carnivores get kind of sensitive, like the vegans when you say, well, you know, Maybe vegetables aren't making you sick. Um, you know. <laughs> well, I don't I'm, know. I'm vegan, Clark. What's wrong wow. with veganism? I'm totally joking. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, your brain is actually working pretty well for vegan. Guys, I actually was vegan for, I was a uh, vegetarian for like 18 months, and then I went vegan for about six months. Mm. Oof, yeah, I could not think at the right. end, I could not hold information. At, at like at the, by the end of that six months, I couldn't, I was reading all that, this health stuff. I couldn't mm -hmm. remember any of it. I don't know if much has changed, but, <laughs> but I, yeah, I couldn't remember what I was yeah. reading. I was like, I was planning. I was like, oh, I want to get a master's degree. I have these goals for my education. Yeah. I was like, how am I even going to do that? So I don't know how vegans survive. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and the, the thing about veganism, uh, before we get back into the ways to avoid metal toxicity you know, not only are you short on iron and zinc, B vitamins, taurine, uh, but there's no sulfhydryl amino acids that you're getting, uh, like cysteine and methionine. And those are sort of like your body's first line defense against metal toxicity. So you definitely want to avoid extreme diets. Um, you know, we're designed as omnivorous beings to eat plants and animals. Sometimes people have, uh, 
you know, individual food sensitivities, they have to stay away from a specific food. Um, I find that's usually metal toxicity. Um, but, um, you know, the idea is that you want to stay away from extreme diets, basically um, optimized for nutrient density. So like what we use with our clients is a modified version of paleo, where we're getting a lot of high quality meats, um, a lot of high quality vegetables that we, that are cooked, um, you know, but you really want to maximize nutrient density. Raw dairy is phenomenal. Uh, just incredible, uh, source of the fat soluble vitamins and, uh, minerals like calcium and magnesium, you know, so optimizing for nutrient density is the most important thing. Number two would be just to do the best that you can in your daily life to avoid common exposure vectors for metals. Stop drinking tap water. You know, it's got fluoride and aluminum in it. You know, there could be lead in it. Like the Flint water crisis showed us all how, you know, in certain municipal areas, there's lead toxicity in the water. I think there's so many Flint's. There's so yeah. many flints around yes. that just have not gotten the, the 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 news story. The crazy thing about Flint was that what happened was mechanistically is that they started to draw on their water from a different source. And the source of that water had a different pH. So it caused the lead pipes that had previously been used actually somewhat safely to leach the lead because the pH in the water was different. So there's subtle things like that, that can really affect your exposure, you know, so. Yeah. And the same thing can happen with you, a lot of company or municipal water sources will used to use chlorine, like right. LA did this and they switched to chloramine, mm -hmm. which is cheaper, but that can leach uh, metals from the pipes as well. And these are things that are, that are happening all over the place and people just aren't really paying attention. Yeah, exactly. So you want to avoid common exposure vectors, like in the water. Another really interesting thing um, quickly about aluminum and fluoride is that with metals, there's synergistic effects. There's synergistic toxic effects, I should say. So a small amount of aluminum will be toxic, but a small amount of fluoride paired with that can actually create a more toxic compound. Um, I believe it's called aluminum fluorosilicate. Um uh, has this unique ability to cross the blood-brain barrier is more toxic than either of those elements individually. So this is something that isn't discussed in the literature as much. And it's something probably for future avenues of research, but um, the synergistic effects of metals are quite significant. And that's how we're actually exposed to them on a daily basis, where a lot of the research on metals right now is uh, devoted to studying individual elements and their specific effects on certain systems, where you know, Sally down in Texas or wherever and uh, up in Ohio, you know, who's been drinking tap water her whole life, she's exposed to all manner of different metals. And those metals have synergistic effects, negative effects, synergistic negative effects uh, that are much worse than any individual e exposure to those elements. Plus, you're getting all these other synthetic toxicants on top of that. We really don't know all of the effects of all of these things in the environment and on human beings. Yeah. I don't know how we're even still alive. <laughs> well, you're probably using your sauna pretty regularly. Am I right? I am. Yeah. I love my sauna. I love my foot baths. Yeah. I'm just, you know, living that detox lifestyle, which I, you know, people need to be doing these days. Like, can you talk about, you know, your recommendations to people when it comes to, to, you know, heavy metal detox? 
Yes. So the biggest things would be maximize nutrient density. Um, if you want to work with me and get on a mineral balancing program, that would be, you know, I think probably the best thing that people can do. Uh, the mineral balancing has these phenomenal effects uh, on your endogenous aspects of your detoxification systems. So really what we want to try and do with mineral balancing is optimize your own detoxification network inside of you that you have, which is much more powerful, you know, than any individual supplement that you can take. So you have an endogenous detoxification network inside of you, metal binding proteins, antioxidant enzymes, uh, and your hormones, which is kind of an interesting avenue for research, but hormones send signals like adrenal and thyroid hormones send signals to the liver to activate detoxification enzymes. So ceruloplasmin, metallothionine, other detoxification enzymes and metal binding proteins are activated in the presence of your adrenal and thyroid hormones. So uh, improving adrenal and thyroid function is a big vector for uh, improving your body's own ability to detoxify. Um, so that would be another thing that you could focus on, uh, lowering stress in your life. Huge detoxification is a parasympathetic activity. It's only activated through the parasympathetic branch of your autonomic nervous system. So anything that you can do to chill out, relax, get in the sun, you know, if you're in a great location, like Wendy is yeah, live in Mexico, in I highly recommend it to relax. Yes. So jealous. <laughs> so jealous. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think people don't realize when they're all really stressed out mm -hmm. and chronically stressed out for years, mm -hmm. they're not really they're not sleeping. They're not detoxing and they accumulate this stuff over years and years and years. And they wake up one day, why am I fat? And why am I, you know, unhappy? And why can't I sleep? And they start having all these different uh, health issues as a result of that. 100%. So doing anything that you can to get yourself in the parasympathetic grounding is very good for that purpose. Uh, getting in the sun, like sunbathing is very parasympathetic. There's a lot of really interesting research on UVB affecting cortisol levels. Um, so that's huge. But the sauna, um, the sauna space type of saunas, um, phenomenal. Those are, in my opinion, that's the single most important biohack that you can do to prevent metal toxicity because you're not only getting the photobiomodulation effects from the near infrared frequency coming off of those lights, which is optimizing your mitochondrial function. You're getting the heating effects and the sweat effects uh, caused by those mid and far infrared frequencies coming off of them. So um, blocking EMF, you know, so these are some foundational things that you can do to lower your stress levels Um I read some really interesting research on uh, certain magnetic fields being able to deplete zinc and selenium. So uh, that's sort of in relation to optimizing your mineral uh, intake, right? It doesn't have much to do with how much you're taking in, but preventing minerals from being lost. Anything that you can do will help to uh, protect you against metal toxicity. So... Um, you know, sauna, a lot of the things that Jack Cruz and those folks talk about, I'm, you know, phenomenal, like the light exposure, sun exposure, um, optimizing nutrient density, getting rid of the exposure vectors. And then, you know, sometimes people go down the, that road of trying to do all those things and they're sort of at an impasse and it, you know, they need something more at that point. You know, I think mineral balancing 
um, is really for those folks. Yes. Yeah. Cause you can do all these detox protocols, you know, like you said, infrared saunas and taking, taking various like supplements and trying to do like a shotgun approach to detox, right. but for sure doing that mineral balancing and heavy metals testing can help you with that kind of, you know, more sniper approach to, yeah. and, and optimizing your body's ability to detox. It's not just going in and grabbing the metals and pulling them out. Um, it, it's just not that simple. I mean, right. that's kind of how we want to think about things, but can you explain that concept a little bit and like chelation, like why chelation <laughs> using IV, uh, you know, heavy metal chelation therapy is maybe not, not really the best strategy for a lot of people. hundred percent. And I, that's exactly where I was going with this is that if you go back to what we were talking about with ionic mimicry and how metals substitute for minerals, and that's the main mechanism through which metals bioaccumulate in the first place, then you understand that if you just rip the metals out where they're replacing the essential elements on certain critical enzymes, then you realize, well, if I just rip this metal out using, uh, it could be a synthetic chelating agent, EDTA, DMSO, it doesn't really matter. It could be something as simple as zeolite or chlorella or something else. If you leave, if you rip out that metal and you don't leave anything at that enzyme binding site for it to function, you can make yourself much, much worse. And so it goes back to understanding how does metal bioaccumulation happen in the first place? And it's related to the mineral imbalances. That's the critical piece for people to understand. But chelating agents oftentimes uh, chelate out essential minerals as well. So not only are you ripping out that metal, which is actually serving a purpose inside of you, an adaptive purpose, but you're lowering your mineral status even more through the use of chelation. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's it, mineral balancing is sort of like the anti chelating method where we're, we don't focus on any individual metal. We're focusing in on balancing the entire mineral system and reverse, reverse engineering the mineral imbalances to cause metal detoxification down the line. Chelation is the very opposite of that approach where you're just pulling out the metals, you're targeting individual metals which can be problematic, you know, if, if that metal is being used for something important to keep you alive. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and doing the chelation, that's not addressing chemicals at all uh, as well. Whereas if you're optimizing your body's ability to detox and sleep and mineralize, your body's going to be more efficient at at excreting that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is an amazing conversation. I think that it's really important to help people understand in a more granular way like yes. how detoxification occurs and, and why right. you need to be testing uh, for heavy metals and, you know, making the case yet again on every podcast, you know, why you need to be adding detox to your, your healthy lifestyle. Cause I mean, diet, exercise, supplements, it is not enough. I mean, I can't tell you how many friends I know that are sick or they've died or had cancer or something and they're, they're living relatively healthy, but they're not thinking about detox, not, not doing stuff in, in regards to that. Cause you're not getting this info at your doctor. Yeah. I, I come across so many clients who are in that same boat, who they've been doing the right things for many years. Um, and their tests sometimes will come back with high levels of metals. And I'm just like, don't shoot the messenger. Like I'm not telling you that you're doing anything wrong, or, but you know, these elements are so ubiquitous. It's very hard to escape them. Even if you do the right things, you do have to add that extra tier of 
mineral balancing using these detoxification procedures that we recommend in a strategic way if you really want to uh, rid yourselves of these uh, these poisons. Yeah. And people get upset too. They get upset or they get really scared about the results. Yeah. And and I was surprised too. You know, I, you know, lived the super healthy lifestyle most of, most of my life. And um, when I got my test results back, you know, and I, I'd been reading about, you know, mercury or lead and reading about all these things in, you know, reading about health, you come across articles about mercury, but I didn't think they applied to me because I was so healthy. You know, and right. so like, oh, it takes a, some acute exposure or I don't know what it, what it, I thought it would take. Um, mm-hmm. But when I got my test results back and I had super high mercury and arsenic, I was, I was really surprised. And it, for me, it just sparked this uh, light bulb that just has not gone out. <laughs> it's just, uh, right. uh, you know, just started this ball rolling with uh, wanting to learn everything about this and, and helping other people discover this, this missing piece of the, the puzzle that they need to be healthy and reach their health goals. Exactly. And that's, you know, it was just on Matt Blackburn's podcast. And I basically said to him the same exact thing that heavy metal, you know, environmental pollution and exposure to human beings is the most important human health problem on the face of the planet right now, by far. Part of it has to do with its ubiquity, but people just aren't paying attention to it. So it's so underrated. But, you know, if you really look at the details like we have and gone through them in this podcast, you realize that it's a much more important problem than people are aware of. So if you become aware of it, you you can really have some power and take some power back in your own life um, you know, to detox these things. Once you go through metal detoxification, you can feel like a different human being almost totally. Um, you know, so that I think is, you know, another really important thing for people to understand. What are some of the metals that that you detox over the years? Yeah. So, um, I went through some pretty, uh, wild lead eliminations, like absolutely insane, uh, lead elimination. So I, um, I think, you know, over the course of my life, I was exposed to lead at a low level, but there was one event that occurred maybe like 12 years ago. Um, I was living with an ex-girlfriend at the time in an old place in Tucson, and she wanted to do a weekend project where we would scrape off the paint on her walls in her bathroom. And at the time I was kind of like an idiot. And, you know, she was like, you really should wear a mask. There's lead in the paint. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. You know, shut up, whatever. And so, I was breathing in these lead fumes, these lead based paint fumes for a couple of days doing this project with her. Um, so I was exposed, you could say occupationally to lead. Um, but after that, like my anxiety got much worse. Um, lead can cause like violent thoughts and criminality in some people. There's a lot of really interesting research on that. Um, and how the metals interact in the brain is like a whole nother, we could do another podcast on that. Um, we should do that. That that would be, I think, a really fascinating episode. But um, so uh, lead was a very big one for me. Getting Going through some lead eliminations changed my life completely. My sleep got better. Um, I lost 50 pounds after eliminating lead. So there's a lot of endocrine effects that these metals have as well that, you know, people should be aware of. Um, I went through some huge copper eliminations as well. Um, so... I think lead and copper is sort of like the, those two 
the two metals that cause anxiety and mental health problems more than any other of the metals. Um, but copper, lead, nickel was a big one for me. I used to have really bad suicidal thoughts. And I went through my first elimination on mineral balancing was a nickel elimination early on. You can ask Pam. I, she went through it with me. You know, I'd be calling her being like, I feel so awful. You know, what's going on here? And um, went through the lead elimination and the suicidal or not the lead, the nickel elimination, the suicidal thoughts went away. It was really remarkable. So those are the three big ones for me. Um, also went through some big, uh, tissue calcium eliminations as well. Yeah. And then the calcium can be very numbing, you know, exactly. the, the body's innately intelligent. People have pain syndromes or abuse or other things right. going on. The, the body will kind of accumulate, uh, calcium in the soft tissues, just kind of like numb the, the nervous system transmissions that can transmit pain or, per, uh, you know, cause perceptions of pain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, calcium, uh, it can just make you feel like calcium is a buffering agent anyway. So it buffers you against stress. But if it builds up in toxic amounts, it can make you feel numb and like you can't feel anything, uh, you know, or or it can actually really affect energy, the energetic uh, mechanisms in the cells as well. So it can make you very tired. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah, it's, it's all the whole like effects of minerals in the body and the deficiencies and the toxicities. It's, it's fascinating. It's really, really interesting. Um, but the bottom line is people just want to feel better. That, that's all you're listening to the show. You don't want to detox and do all this stuff. Right. You want to feel better. Right? right. But you know, this is what you have to do. You have to do detox kind of protocols to, to get there. So, um, so Clark, thanks so much for coming on the show and, uh, you know, imparting your wisdom. I know you've been involved in the heavy metals research study and you've done a lot of research over the last decade, um, on this topic. So it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. So where can we find you and where can, uh, the listeners, work with you. Yeah. So, you know, just uh, wanted to say thank you, Wendy, so much for having me on. Uh, it's an honor. Uh, you know, I've been following you for a while and like you're doing incredible work as well. So um, totally jealous of your business and everything that you've been able to accomplish. Um, you know, but people can find me at uh, www.nutritionalanalytics.com. Uh, that's the name of the uh, our health consulting service that we have. Specializes in using hair tissue mineral analysis to set up healing protocols to detoxify your metals and cause healing. So you can find me there. I'm also on um, Instagram, um, have been using Instagram quite a bit more lately. Uh, it's new, it's all lowercase nutritional underscore analytics uh, is the handle on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook uh, at the nutritional analytics page. Just type that in. Uh, into the search bar, or you can look, uh, I'm posting quite a bit on my personal profile, um, Clark Jeffrey on Facebook. Um, or you can email me Clark at nutritionalanalytics.com. So lots of, uh, ways that you can get a hold of me. Um, and you know, definitely, uh, still have some slots open for clients now. So, um, yeah, would love to work with people. Okay, great. Yeah. You might be sorry. You gave your email. Yeah, everybody email Clark with all of your questions. (laughs) Well, Clark, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, everyone, uh, I'm Dr. Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to the show today. And it's really a pleasure every week to be able to have experts from around the world, you know, help to maybe give you that one last 
that little key in the puzzle to help you upgrade your health. And that's why I'm doing this. So thanks so much for tuning in and taking the time. I'll talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.